Singer Equipment Company provides industry-leading service to restaurants nationwide. Whether you're expanding or upgrading or just need a partner to help navigate supply chain challenges, Singer Equipment Company is here for you. Visit SingerEquipment.com to learn more. Opening a restaurant is a challenge. In the sense of the word, it's hard, it's expensive, it's stressful, and a whole lot more. Today's guests are tackling that challenge, of course, but they're also using their new restaurant as a challenge to the industry, to the norms that have been created and the exclusions that have been present in their careers and throughout the industry. They aim to build an experience that serves everyone equally and thoughtfully with acceptance, balance, and of course, fun. Don't forget the fun. Fun. Yes. We're excited to have here today founders and partners of HAGS. We have Chef Telly Justice. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and Camille Lindsley. And Telly has been in the industry for 18, 15 years since you were 18 years old. 16 or so. 16 yeah, yeah, yeah. Or so. Yeah. Yep. So it's been a long ride. Everywhere from anarchist vegan, I saw in, yes. your, <laughs> in your resume to. Yeah tasting menus at Michelin-starred restaurants here in New York City, and Camille is a certified song, so we're blessed to be able to taste some wine later, and <laughs> she's also worked at some very fine dining establishments, and this will be at your first restaurant together, mm -hmm. and you're centering not only queerness, but fun brand of hospitality that is open to everyone, yeah. so we are so excited to chat with you today. Welcome. Yeah, pleased to be here. Yeah, Super excited. excited. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yes. and thanks for So I will say for the listeners, this is our first show in a new format. So we will be cooking along with mm -hmm. Telly as Ooh. she demos a dish from maybe the opening menu, maybe just a workshopping we'll of the opening sticks. menu. We'll, we'll see if it sticks. sticks. Yeah. The mystery. The mystery. <laughs> and then Camille will talk us through a beverage pairing a little bit later. And we'll just chat about all awesome things of opening hags. So, right. so if you're listening to us on Heritage Radio Network, then you can also watch the video. Um, and that will be found on YouTube. We'll put that link up. And then we'll also be putting the recipe for the today's dish on there. So you don't need to... Scurry to write it down. Scurry to write it down. <laughs> just, just wait. It'll be there. It'll be there. Be there. All right. So let's get cooking. What let's are we making today, Chef? Um, so I'm doing a green tomato dish. We're both um, ex-Atlantans. Um, we met cooking in restaurants, or myself cooking, you serving in restaurants in Atlanta. Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> and the green tomato is so representative of a lot of mm -hmm. the things that we did down there. Um, I mean, there are a lot of things that I think are quintessential to green tomato dishes. Usually they're fried, and so like a crispy, crunchy, mm -hmm. starchy element is, is classic. And also like they beg for fat, so um, usually ranch or like sour cream or clabber cream specifically is very important. And we have- Clabber cream? Clabber cream is basically like a strained buttermilk similar to creme fraiche. Okay. Um, but clabber cream is like specifically Southern. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It's very acidic, very sharp, about as thick as creme fraiche. We're going to be using creme fraiche um, because clabber cream is a process. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good facsimile for today. Will the menu have clabber cream? It'll have clapper Potentially. cream, for sure. Okay. It'll definitely have clapper cream. Um, but in this case, I really wanted to showcase a different side of green tomato than a lot of people get to see, which is raw. Mm -hmm. um, and we're supposing that this is going to be potentially a first course in our omnivores tasting menu. Mm -hmm. 
So cool. Talia, while you're chopping tomatoes, Camille, can you tell us a little bit about what HAGS is and where you are in the process of opening it? Yes, so HAGS is a soon-to-be uh, open restaurant in the East Village um, of New York City, where where we are. Uh, <laughs> and um, we have been working on this project throughout the pandemic and per usual of all restaurant openings, pandemic or not, it's taken a lot longer than either of us <laughs> ever thought that it would, but it's a process. Um, and we will be serving uh, queer joy um, <laughs> via the format of, of fine dining. Um, Telly is such a talented chef and I'm so excited to be working with her. And I truly would never dream to open a restaurant with anybody else. I feel uh, the same <laughs> way. You're going to make so me all emotional. Bit. I know. I'm sorry. I'm going to balance my cheering up a little bit. Um, and so, so you were mentioning that this might be the first course. So it's a tasting yes. menu. Tasting and menu. Tell us about the format because I know you want to be approachable and available to all types, and mm -hmm. so that means vegetarians, yep. people with allergies. Tell us, tell us about your approach to the menu. So the way we're looking at it is we're going to offer, I would say around five to six courses conceptually, mm -hmm. and we're gonna have an omnivore side of the tasting menu and a vegan and kind of like um, allergen uh, so aware, aware. Um, menu as well. And I have a ton of experience cooking vegan food as you Already Jam. mentioned yes, right? love it. in our yep. anarchist days, yeah, our, our punk rock days. Um, we're still punks, but uh, I have a ton of experience with that. Um, and I have a ton of experience cooking allergen free food. Um, I come from a family, my mom, who I love dearly, um, has a ton of allergies. And it's really a struggle for her to like go out and get a good chef prepared meal. There's a, a long dialogue involved, and there's elements of trust that are very difficult to navigate. Um, and you have a ton of allergies as well. If you're not watching and you're just listening, Telly's now marinating green tomatoes <laughs> with olive oil, vermouth, salt. No, Verjou. Verjou, excuse me. Verjou. Tell us about Verjou, because it's, yeah. it's an interesting... I'll actually let you yes, talk about Verjou, because <laughs> you'll sound way smarter totally. than me. So Verjou is just basically... Um, unfermented grape juice. Mm -hmm. um, all the, really the main difference between verjou and, and wine is that wine is, um, is fermented, whereas verjou is not. So it's super light and fresh and juicy. Alcohol content uh, comparable? None. None. Yeah. No, no alcohol, yes. It smells delicious already. So we just squeeze a little lemon on the- Squeeze a little lemon. Mm -hmm. We're gonna let those sit and marinate because okay. the, the real stumbling block to serving green tomatoes raw is that they're highly acidic mm -hmm. um, and they have a structure that is kind of unyieldy, mm -hmm. um, which is why most people fry them. It kind of gives them a more supple touch and mouthfeel. Mm -hmm. But we're gonna achieve that by adding a little salt and acid and letting them sit, absorb that flavor. We're in kind of a time sensitive situation today, but normally would you marinate them longer or? Um, this is actually going to be an appropriate amount of marination. Yeah. yeah. So if, if we are at the restaurant right now, I'm kind of doing this exactly the way that I would do it on the line. Okay. Um, this part of the process, uh, <laughs> however, I would probably have prepped. Back. Have prepped. Yeah. So right we now. We have some olives, right? Yeah. Olives. So olives, we're going to do a little bit of, um, 
a bread salad, which is mm. something that I really love to eat. Mm. Um, something that uh, I prepare at home very frequently, especially things like ribolita. I love a ribolita. Uh, I do too. And Have me a bread salad. Kids would love the bread salad since they're Right? What's that? So I feel like our kids would be into the bread salad. I know. It's yeah. like, I'm, I'm into it's a bread salad. Sell. It's like a deconstructed sandwich in a different yeah. way. I exactly. love it. And everything Absolutely. gets all marinated and soaks up the juice. It's like, hello. Yeah, deconstructed sandwiches, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and so one of my favorite things about bread salad preparations is like when they're somewhere in that purgatory of crunchy and soggy, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like such a lovely texture in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to build kind of like a little uh, chunky garnish for these marinated croutons, which I'll do next. So right now I'm dicing, kind of like small dicing, small to medium dicing uh, these Castellatrano olives. So where are you guys at in the process? I know that you're working and delayed potentially. And Yes. Uh, so right now we are in the middle of build-out. We um, got really lucky and are going to be occupying the original Momofuku noodle bar and Momofuku co-space on and First Desert. I love this for you yeah. all for yeah. so many reasons. So much history. <laughs> for yeah. so many reasons. It's uh-huh. funny, actually, that the very first time that Telly and I came to New York City together back in 2015... Um, we immediately went to Noodle Bar, um, just like maybe three doors up from where Hags will be. We didn't even go to the Airbnb yet, so we still like had our luggage and had just gotten into town um, and went straight to Noodle Bar. So this is when they were already moved to the new space, yes, exactly. and it was Co and the current space where you guys correct, you yes. correct, yeah, yes. So um, it's the space definitely... where you are. I'm sorry, the space where you are is where Co most recently was. Yes, exactly. The original the original of all the original, the, yes. the original, original Co mm-hmm. before Co went to Exchange Place. Right. right. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So much movement. So I know. Much <laughs> but that's a great sign for you all. Oh, for an sure. Empire started there. Definitely. You could also argue that that restaurant was sort of the start of high low of, of cuisine in that yeah. Yeah. way. Yeah. Embracing a more casual way of eating high quality, well Absolutely. Food. Definitely. I think yeah. it, it goes without saying um, that hags likely wouldn't exist without the the global influence right. on food that that company has had, even mm-hmm. though we're like dramatically different mm-hmm. and we're looking to undo a lot of culturalisms that were, you know, not necessarily established there, but prominent there as mm-hmm. is the case with all That was all part of the industry at the time. Exactly. Yeah. And still today too. And still today. Mm-hmm. And still today too. Um, it's definitely like important for us to recognize that, uh, we're following in the footsteps of people before us. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because that space is so iconic, we really felt that it was necessary for us to change the space um, in a in a visual way mm-hmm. um, and change the way that the dining room is set up too. So we're in the middle of doing a full uh, like gut reno of the space. Um, which... When did you take the space? When did you take the lease? So we <laughs> took the space. Kelly <laughs> snickering. Like I'm good or bad yeah. snicker. I guess we're about to find out. Uh, it's, it's funny, actually. I was a going beleaguered through, snicker. I know. I was going through my photos uh, from like this time last year, and we had first looked at the space about a year ago and signed the lease in June of 2021. June of so 2021. With permitting and. So you, you're moving pretty fast. 
I would, I would, I would feel good about your pace. Yeah. If we're good right now. <laughs> yes. Thank you for saying yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've been doing this show for what, three years. We've seen a lot longer build outs than that. Oh, yeah. oh I'm sure. Yeah. When we first were thinking about opening this restaurant, we had talked to some of their folks who had opened their own places and had heard stories about it taking two years and we're two like, years, oh right. no, yeah. that won't be us. And you here always we think are you're about a year in. <laughs> <to the restaurant. laughs> you always think you're the exception. Sure. It's sure. smaller, it's this, it's that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Let's take a, let's check in with Tally. What did, what did so we So I've added a little brunoise of um, seeded jalapeno here. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of at the, uh, the taste level of the chef, how spicy you want to make this. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. for this dish, especially because it's a caviar dish, I want to keep it spiceless, but have that like really nice peppery, mm -hmm. green flavor garden mm -hmm. note. Um, I think it really pulls together the brininess of the olive and the fresh acidity of the green tomatoes. Uh, now over here, I've got these croutons, this green olive loaf from Mel's, which is on the Lower East Side around the corner from Tillet, around yes. the corner from where we live. Mm -hmm. um, and I've toasted these low and slow just to get them nice and dried out. And I'm gonna plop them in this caramelized onion broth, mm. which is exactly what it sounds like. I caramelized a bunch of or onions and steeped them in water mm. for um, about an hour or two to really condense that flavor. And then uh, married that with some raw onion juice mm -hmm. and reduced it. So it's got all kinds of different levels of of onion smell and flavor. Um, you can probably smell it from where you're sitting right now. <laughs> I, I, smell the, actually the, I smell the pepper too, like the, mm -hmm. the jalapeno smells, like you said. Um, totally. So what we're doing is we're just kind of taking these really thirsty croutons and soaking them up so we can get that, that nice, gushy crouton for bread salad. So just a brief dunk, they absorb really quickly. And this is a technique I actually stole from Jeremiah Stone from Contra. <laughs> you didn't steal, you learned it while you were. I hope Thank you'll you, be Jeremiah. pleased to see me doing this. Yeah. I'm totally uh, putting as much thought into this as I did when I was doing it at your restaurant, I promise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we're just gonna let this sit here for a second and kind of soak. That residual liquid that's just kind of like all over it is gonna penetrate to the center. And when we're getting closer to plate up, I'm gonna pop it in the oven so that they get warm and uh, get a little little mm, crust on the outside again. Mm -hmm. Doesn't take much time. A textural dream. Which yes. I feel like croutons sometimes are texturally just yeah. painful. The size is so important. <laughs> and I also yeah. find that like a well done crouton, meaning like cooked all the way through, yeah. it's really hard to get on your fork. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, yeah you gotta have a mid rare crouton. Yeah. It's yeah, perfect. Totally. <laughs> like we hate it when there's like food that isn't the appropriate size for a fork that's like not meant to be cut either. I don't know. Right. Yeah, totally. There's, there's a whole, you know, product. It's like big pieces there. of something in the soup. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah, spoon, it doesn't go in the soup. Yeah, I don't want to put a knife into a bowl. Like, yeah. it's just not what I really want to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and then so our last little component that I'm going to get ready here is that creme fraiche or clabber cream sauce that mm -hmm. I was talking about. We're going to use a little bit of this uh, tahini. Brain fart. <laughs> and this right here uh, is an ingredient that I prepped ahead. It's red endive that I've caramelized uh, in brown butter with a little bit of sorghum syrup. Another classic Southern ingredient that is 
very near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. It's almost like molasses-y. Mm -hmm. It's got this, this umami, the sweetness, a touch of acidity. And it's one of those ingredients where you're like, what is that? Mm -hmm. What am I tasting? Um, which I love. If you're not seeing it, it's like this super creamy puree situation. How is it so creamy? Just from the butter? Um, so it's butter and emulsified with a little bit of xanthan gum. Yeah. So it. that all of that fat really like gets in there and incorporates well. Um, and so I know we mentioned there's going to be a tasting menu and I know it being affordable was also something that's important to you all. So tell us about mm -hmm. how you're pricing the menu, what that means for your business model. It's an interesting balance. There are a lot of things to consider. I mean, that's the case with all restaurant models. Right. Um, it's such a delicate, delicate business that like, it's often, I don't know, a little uh, magical how we end up with with the mathematics that we believe will yeah. work. It's a bit of a like <laughs> divination process, I feel Definitely. Like. Um, I, I think that part of the reason why we feel justified for asking for uh, the amount of money for our experience is one, first of all, we're going to be tipless, which already um, I feel like helps with sort of the sticker shock of sometimes when you go to a tasting mini restaurant, you think all about how like, oh, you know, the menu is only X number of dollars, pairings are this much, and then you sort of forget that uh, there's an extra 20% added at the end of the day for all of that. Um, so Do you have a sticker price? Is that something that's decided for your, for your model? We're working on it. Um, we're trying to keep it as like in the low, um, like 100s. Mm -hmm. It is one of these reverse engineering situations mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, so a $100 tasting menu with a 20% uh, um, tip yeah. included would be $120. Mm -hmm. So that roots us at like, a, a comparable experience at another restaurant mm -hmm. that would cost a hundred. We're looking at charging one twenty, and mm -hmm. it's a wash in the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, it's on us to kind of be the educators for the experience that like this price is what you're paying. Period. Right? People like that, and honest, I mean, there's been so many, so many restaurants have gone tipless, have experimented yeah. with it, and I think consumers now, as long as they know in advance, I think consumers are adaptable to whatever you price something at. Honestly, people need to be paying for food so that everybody can make a wage. Yeah, and that's definitely part of the reason why we wanted to go with a set menu format in the first place is that it's really hard to um, sort of anticipate what um, your sales um, yourself the chaoticness of a la carte. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's sort of really changes about the whims of sustainability built in with having for a set sure. menu. For sure, absolutely. Not, Dealing with all this food waste and exactly yeah. yeah. So we definitely are are looking to be closed two days a week, partially for our own sanity. Yeah. <laughs> but um, thank you. So looking to be closed on Mondays and Tuesdays um, really sort of allows us to take advantage of Sunday in a way that we're both really excited about. We're going to be doing pay what you can Sundays, um, which is. Uh, really sort of our way to make Hags be really truly a place where you can come, whether you can afford a tasting menu or, or not. And it'll um, be the exact same menu. It'll be a, it'll be a different menu. It'll sort of depend on 
honestly what we feel like doing that day. Maybe we want to have a guest chef come in, maybe someone who works um, in the kitchen or, or really works anywhere in, in Hags wants to like cook a family recipe. Maybe we have, you know, a bunch of leftover product that we decide to sure. utilize that might not make it the two days that we're closed. Mm -hmm. So it's really our way of engineering um, both just sort of like a fun way to end the week, mm -hmm. end the work week, um, a fun way to include people who wouldn't be able to afford um, even a modestly priced tasting menu. It's still a tasting menu at the end of the day. It's still a luxury experience. How do you um, sort of, how do you, how do you determine that? How do you determine that the person comes as someone that's deserving or, or do you care? Does it not matter? We, just, we're in no know. position to judge, you know, it's, yeah. it's um, uh, everybody heard. deserves free food. Yeah. Everybody. Even if it's one day a week. <laughs> exactly. Know? Totally. So that's something that we really think a lot. And will about. Sunday be reservation as well? As no. Well? So to, to make it truly, night. truly democratic is going to be first come first service. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then otherwise it'll be reservation. So tell everybody how many mm -hmm. seats you all have. So it's... 20 seats. We'll mm -hmm. have 15 in the dining room, five at the bar. And how very, cozy. <laughs> very, very cozy. Very, very cozy. Everybody's ready to be cozy again. Yeah. Most <laughs> what's your, like, what's your staffing projections for front and back? Oh, it's going to be very small. Or is it just the two of you? Um, <laughs> just the two of us. Yeah, yeah. That yeah that's really great. how sustainable. the project started was like, how small can we make this? Right. Truly. Um, and, and we've tried to. Because of finances or because of concept or? Both. For a lot. Yeah. 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 I mean, we also just have this. I don't know. We have an affinity for smallness generally. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and we were really inspired by other jewel box places. Like we love Prune. Yeah. We love ZZ's Clam Bar. Yeah. Um, we love uh, Amoria Margo, that original mm -hmm. location when it was just like 12 bar stools or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and like also them. Momofuku Co. Yeah. really trailblazed mm -hmm. that in a lot of ways. And so we wanted to have that like New York jewel box feeling that You're is very so better. To have a small space I agree. Right. and a big line, mm -hmm. yeah, than a big space that you can't fill up. Right, it just, it nothing, totally nothing kills a party like so an empty room. Nothing kills the vibe like an empty room. You can so always do it so for the next one, mm -hmm. and if then you feel like it fits what you're doing, you know. Right, truly. and so for the tasting menu, so the other four nights will be reservations. Yes, yes. And those, and how many turns will you? Your dinner only or lunch? Mm -hmm. dinner, dinner only. Dinner only. Yeah. We're hoping to do at least two turns a night, two and a half probably. So you close Monday, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And then and so you'll have one Wednesday staff through Saturday. for the, yep, for the exact days. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that also, keeping the schedule be those days really does allow us to keep the staff small. Um, in terms of number of staff, it's going to be fewer than 10 people, Telly and I included. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, part of the reason why... We wanted to keep it small. Uh, it's not just because of the size of the restaurant, but we also feel really passionate about um, sharing the skills that we've learned in our years of uh, cooking, both in fine dining, but also doing things like Food Not Bombs, which are, I feel like, very much sort of politically minded. Um, Can you say that again? Food Not Bombs. Uh, food Not Bombs. So Food Not Bombs is... Collective that's been around for a couple of decades. Um, that basically um, there are chapters all over the world. Folks gather, prepare meals, and distribute them for free. Mm -hmm. um, Usually yeah. in parks and like city centers and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and it's, it's as much a social gathering and it's about fun and like inclusivity, community building, as it is about uh, dealing with food insecurity, which is such an important topic right now. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and I think that we as restaurateurs, especially in New York City, have a, a bit of a responsibility to think about it, even if like our models aren't ready to, I mean, it's the middle of the pandemic. So there is a leniency to a lot of restaurant models right now. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you think about food insecurity and start imagining a future where that's built into your restaurant mm -hmm. models, mm -hmm. that can be a really wonderful One thing. One step at a time. No, One I step at a time. Yeah, that's how we feel There's also plenty of like ancillary businesses that, that handle food waste like our We had our guests mm -hmm. Rethink. Yeah, we had Rethink on. Oh, cool. Um, I will connect you with them because I actually, they, they sort of have seen this, that restaurateurs want to be on this journey where they are thinking about food insecurity and what it means either mm -hmm. to get back to their immediate community or, or other communities within their city, but don't have like the means to also be a nonprofit. So they're, they're trying to sort of solve for that. Most definitely. Which I love. Yeah. That's very cool. So let's check in, Telly. What cool. is, so what's in this? So right yeah. now, um, we are letting these jalapenos and uh, Castelvetrano olives sit with some chives, salt, a little squeeze of lemon, a little bit of olive oil. Super simple. We don't want to take away, again, from the caviar and complicate the flavor profile too much um, because there's nothing sadder than eating caviar and not getting to taste mm -hmm. it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I feel like that's usually a trick for bad quality yeah. caviar. Oh, and especially like in a place that we feel orients to, to queer folks and people that aren't often included in fine dining, we want you to taste the best. Mm -hmm. It's important that mm -hmm. you like really experience. And we have really good caviar right now. Um, definitely want to shout out our neighbors, 63 Clinton, for hooking us up with a lot of food caviar for this. So thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so and tell us a little bit about, you know, what you just touched on queer folks not having, you know, necessarily have been introduced to some of the fine dining elements mm -hmm. being left out of the kitchen tell mm -hmm. and I know that's an important part of your business and the message that you're bringing definitely tell us a little bit how you're how you're structuring um so it really started as this idea of um our relationship to the work and the industry and the fact that we've not had an opportunity at least in the way that we've felt and internalized the work um welcome and invited to really be ourselves in the ways that other people have been invited to be themselves at work. Um, and that really has an impact on the work that you put out, especially as you become a chef and a sommelier and people are asking you about yourself and your journey. And it, it was feeling more and more like it was important to build a space where we could be honest and authentic and really speak to the experiences that we had that not all of were negative, but a lot were, and we want to envision a place where we can call out to a young cook like myself um, and say, this is a place to build your resume. This is a place to feel comfortable. Um, and in the process of figuring out how to invite folks like ourselves to the kitchen, we started talking about how to invite folks like ourselves to the dining room mm -hmm. and what that looks like and how you effectively do that. I don't think that there are many spaces where we're just like simply not permitted to go, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of places where we're explicitly invited to go. And yeah. that makes a big difference, like emotionally. Right. There's Mimi's, I think was a pioneer. Yes. Yeah. In that, yeah. But it's since that space has been gone, it's true. It's like there's pop-ups yeah. that are specifically like. For like sure. Queer. There's definitely a queer food renaissance happening. Mm -hmm. um, however, we didn't see anyone 
really going for pioneering queer food in a luxury space. Yeah. Um, first. yeah. How do you get cis restaurant owners to understand that and be more inclusive and, and foster, you know, a safe space? Well, I think it's, you know, really lovely that uh, y'all have invited us to do this sort of thing. And any chance we get a chance to, like, really speak to the why of us doing this, because I, I do believe that a lot of people look at our story, look at our concept mm-hmm. and go, why? What's yeah. the point? Mm-hmm. Um, is this just tokenism? Is this just seizing a, a cultural moment? And there are elements of that that seep in and we can't be controlling of that necessarily. But the more we get to put our voices out mm-hmm. and say why HAGS is important to us, why we felt that we need to do this, it becomes educational to other mm-hmm. restaurateurs that are looking to do something similar, mm-hmm. even if it's just inviting us, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is a lovely goal to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I am about to plate up. All right. And this dish was really that simple. Mm-hmm. Very easy to execute while talking to your <laughs> friends in a kitchen. Yes. <laughs> so I've added the toasted breadcrumbs, which are now kind of like al dente, we could say. Um, and they're marinating in with this very briefly. And I'm just gonna spoon this kind of casually and rustically onto the plate. Um, I really like messy food. I think messy food is super delicious food. Um, And while that's not necessarily the fine dining aesthetic, there has to be some kind of like element of sloppiness, Mm -hmm. just so that like we remind ourselves of what is fun and good about food. Um, So we're gonna put that there. Bring our marinated tomatoes, which are now draining. We don't want them to be sloppy wet on the plate, necessarily. I think the casual plate makes you like feel more comfortable eating it. Totally. Too. Yeah. Sometimes I feel intimidated to eat something when it's too, too precious. I do. Yeah. Totally agree. You're Regardless of how delicious it is. It's... Definitely. We actually had iterations of this dish initially that were like way more focused and like solid looking and traditional fine dining-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not as like, it wasn't as intuitive to eat. It wasn't as like delicious looking, yeah. and the form didn't serve the dish as well. Mm-hmm. I also think that Talia is being very modest right now. <laughs> <laughs> Her plating styles definitely feel like more abstract. I think messy is. But still calculated. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. Like the outfit is like looks for casual sure. and rock star, but you like right. definitely clearly picked you out put, each piece. Right. There, yeah. there is there there's is purpose. reason. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, there's. There's form to the formless, I think, sometimes. So what's in our squeeze box? So Telly's squeeze. So this yeah. is the uh, clabber cream, we're just going to say. Let's call right. it clabber cream. Sorry, creme fraiche. Um, with, with creme fraiche. Um, That's with, with the endive With the puree. endive, roasted endive puree, and a touch of the tahini. And it's um, this beautiful color. It's, it's like a beautiful. really nice, like, yeah. I think so. Yeah. And basically what we're going to do is we're just going to cover this up with these little tendrils of now, like, kind of wispy green tomato. And the green tomato we mar- it was marinated for about, what, 20 minutes just now? I would yeah. say so, yeah. As you can see, like, the texture and structure of the tomatoes has broken down significantly. It's not so firm mm-hmm. from the marinade. It's much yep. easier yeah. to, to kind it's of stick on your form. A little bit of crispiness. Yeah. yeah. Seasonality, I imagine, will play a role. Oh, big Do yes. we have an idea 
I hate to put a date oh, on of, of when? but I have an idea of when <laughs> We're hoping, Ags will be opening. Hoping, hoping for April. April, oh, soon. Not too far away. Not too far away. So the green tomatoes will still be around. Yes. It? We're hoping so, yeah. <laughs> this dish is definitely like planned with an April opening in mind. Okay. okay. General contractors, do you hear this? <laughs> so tell us about, we talked a little bit when you all first arrived about, you know, budgets and mm-hmm. funding and all those kind of good things. And I know we have a stressful meeting with a contractor tomorrow. So tell us, tell us what's happening with where you are in terms of build out mm-hmm. and how that process has been going. So right now we're in uh, the, the final stages of what's called rough in, um, which basically is all of the stuff that lives in the walls. So plumbing, uh, electrical, all of the really like unsexy, the unsexy stuff. stuff. Um, but that's but very important. Meanwhile, we're right. also the getting really to, important stuff. <laughs> exactly, right. the super important stuff. We're also um, getting to sort of do the fun things of the FFNE, the um, finishes, furniture, and equipment, um, all the while. So we're we're getting to like look at the pretty tiles and tables and materials that will be used in the finishes. Um, but right now it's like there are no real walls up in the space, but we can sort of see what the floor plan, floor plan will look like uh, with like studs in place right now, which is very exciting. That is exciting. I know you guys did, um, I know you guys did a crowdsourcing first, a portion of it. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit funny. about how you raised money. Was it self-funded? Right. So um, the crowdfunding was awesome and definitely, I feel like, got us um, like a good head start. Is um, it still open, the crowdfunding? It is. It is still, it is still open. Do you want to tell everybody where it is? Yeah, yep. let's, let's sure. So it's on GoFundMe. Um, I'll send you all the URL later. I can't remember. Just if you go to GoFundMe, you can yeah, put in hacks can, yeah. if you do mm-hmm. want to contribute anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but the rest, you know, it's it's so expensive to open a restaurant. Crowdfunding alone <laughs> will, won't really get you yeah. very far. It'll get you into trouble, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've uh, been really lucky to have an investor who was a regular um, at where I worked before COVID and has been like super supportive of us and um, is really the one who's helping us make it happen in a, in a financial way. He's been fan- fantastic. Yeah. Wow. I'm sorry. How did, how did you find this person? This he was, was a... he was a regular at, um, uh, at Aldous on wine, wine bar, the place where I was working before the pandemic. Amazing. So, and yeah. you stayed in touch with it. So this is mm-hmm. like, I, we talk about network all the time on this show and this is like, yes. but I think you're the first one to have a regular fund your restaurant. So I mean, you really, you, you just, never know when someone walks know. into your restaurant, who that person is, mm-hmm. what kind of, role they might potentially play in your life yeah um did you guys have a relationship already and you went back to them with the plan or you so we kind of stayed in contact through that throughout the pandemic i um you know we, we bonded over our love of um of burgundy specifically mm-hmm. domain moonridge borg which is like the <laughs> one of my favorite producers uh one of his favorite producers as I well i imagine it'll be on the menu uh, yes <laughs> for sure <laughs> um but yeah i i you know helped consult him on uh some uh some of his sellers at, at his vacation home and uh just you know had sort of mentioned that oh the wine bar is back open but i'm not going back we're you know trying to open our own place and he offered to invest so amazing and you only needed Pretty the lucky. one investor to find yes. and also yeah very thankfully so awesome. easy because, yeah. of, because of his generosity which we're very fortunate mm-hmm. about yeah but it does speak to the importance of like if you have a dream and you feel like you're ready mm-hmm. 
like speak yeah. speak about it talk to yeah. people spread the word even if it feels fantastical and crazy and improbable like we never thought that we'd be doing this mm-hmm. but we talked about it we told strangers mm-hmm. we you know if you don't talk got about the it. word out and yeah. that's that's how you make these things happen for yourself and it's funny it's actually the the uh, ceo from rethink who was on last week he also told somebody he was working for who was mm-hmm. very you know high net worth mm-hmm. his dream too and got funded so that's awesome. like the, and this is you, you you are the first two that we've had on the show that this has happened for. So I think it's like, I think it's an amazing story to share and you shouldn't be afraid. Like you yeah. said, to like yeah, tell no, every single person, it's I want to do this. We're doing this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just never know. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm yeah. done with my plating. I have a dish. Um, have a dish. Yeah. Yeah. It's a finished I'm dish. Like, I'm putting a photo. It's um, any caviar heads out there, this is uh, Kaluga caviar. It's very nice stuff. And I am a big proponent of if you're going to do a caviar dish, give people caviar. Let them taste Don't it. Don't skimp on the caviar. Don't skimp mm-hmm. on it. Um, and I also am a big fan of incorporating caviar into dishes rather than having it in a little ramekin off to the mm-hmm. side. Um, it's a component, are... not a garnish. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. And I think it shows an intimacy with tasting caviar as a chef to be able to include it and incorporate it into a dish thoughtfully that makes it work and puts it into a context other than just look at this luxury ingredients. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a luxury ingredient, but it, it's a luxury ingredient because it tastes luxurious mm-hmm. and we love to showcase things in that in that way if there's one thing we can all agree on in the restaurant industry it's that the working world has gotten weird it makes sense to be thinking about your options and how to build your career in 2022 health insurance benefits a 401k match a job at singer gives you the chance to start fresh while still working in the hospitality world you know and love but from a different perspective. Work alongside kitchen and tabletop designers to be a part of restaurant openings all over New York City and beyond. Join our team of food service experts committed to the future of hospitality. Singer Equipment Company, now hiring. Industry-leading service provided by industry leaders, Singer Equipment Company. Visit singerequipment.com slash careers to apply today. All right, so we're back and we're going to finish our conversation with Telly and Camille and we're gonna taste some wine that Camille is pairing so will there be a beverage pairing with yes, the? Okay, yes so tell definitely. us everything tell so us the um there will be pairings offered for the menu I love to pair with Telly's food and um I think that oftentimes a sort of stumbling block with a lot of psalms and chefs is that they don't get to spend a lot of time together However, we eat Mm -hmm. eat almost every single meal together, so I feel like we have a pretty good idea of what each other's palates are like. Is it normally that the chef creates and then the psalm sort of has to just deal with Scrambles to, you know, put something together. So do you guys change that a little bit? Do you influence what Telly's making sometimes? definitely. Sometimes I'll say, like, hey, there's this one I would really love. Uh, Could you, like, maybe... Maybe make a dish around this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love the challenge. It's yeah. actually really sure. fun to have a box to play in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get to some pretty cool combos through the meat grinder of that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never thought about that. That's so interesting. Yeah. I definitely feel very fortunate um, to be able to work with such a great chef, but also to be able to pair with Telly's food, um, which will You'll, you'll taste for yourself. Yeah. But <laughs> the wine that we have today um, is a wine that 
I was really excited to find um, for this dish in particular. Um, it's a Gruner Veltliner from um, a couple of queer winemakers actually out in the Santa Rita Hills uh, near Santa Barbara um, in California. So Camines to Dreams is the name of the winery. Uh, Camines is uh, Catalan for... Um, so sorry, I'm just blanking on what it is. Oh, it's it's Catalan for path. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so the the two winemakers um, they actually met working in California and did a little stint um, making wine together in uh, Catalan, um, where uh, Maria, one of the winemakers, is from. Tara Gomez, the other uh, pair of the two, is uh, the brains behind Quita Winery. Um, so they founded this winery back in 2017. We'll fact check later. Yes, we'll fact check later. But this is uh, a Gruner So a, a grape that's not super widely planted in, in Santa Barbara. It's a lot of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay out there, both grapes, which I love. Um, but Gruner I think, is such an exciting uh, great varietal to pair with green tomatoes. Mm -hmm. um, something that's also kind of fun with caviar. It's definitely not um, like a traditional pairing. You know, people think about vodka or uh, champagne, champagne with caviar, which all of which are delicious and excellent. And I love to enjoy as well. Um, but this is a wine that has like, I think, great savoriness. Um, it pairs wonderfully with the salinity, both from the caviar and from the olives. Um, so super like fresh, zesty, a little bit savory. You get that classic greener white pepper. Um, but let's, let's see. How Cheers. It is. Cheers. 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 Hope it pairs well with Perry. <laughs> it's actually Not lovely with Perry. <laughs> Mm, that's nice. Mm. I love an excuse to drink. You mentioned that the winemakers were queer. Are there mm -hmm. other partners, providers that you've been able to seek out that it's fit into It's hard to doing? find a lot of other queer winemakers. We're yeah. we're out there. Um, not me. I'm not. I'm not a queer winemaker. I'm but sure there are. Queer sommelier, which is also yeah. Not. It's definitely like I I feel like there is a lot more. Um, just sort of like attention being paid to queer winemakers. Um, we uh, hope to get our hands on as much queer wine as, as possible. Mm -hmm. um, I would imagine too that, you know, with your your project progressing that people will reach out to you. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've we've made a couple DM of... DM them. Yes, yes. yes. Please. 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 Yeah. talk about what they're doing and who they are. And For sure. I'm yeah. try this. Yeah, let's jump in. I'm going to jump in. All right. Please. Yes, I will. We are, we are also <laughs> hoping to have um, some non-alcoholic options as well. Uh, I'm hoping to get my hands on some of the Yes Folk um, kombuchas, which are excellent. Yeah. Like a nice effervescent tea mm. for <sighs> dish or a beverage would be excellent with this as well. Oh my gosh, so good. Compliments mm -hmm. a lot of this green. I'm from... From the south as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. From New Orleans. We met working there. Oh, uh, two lanes. We definitely New Orleans. Know. Southern food, and I have a very different idea of what Delicious. green tomatoes are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like you said, they're fried. cornmeal fried. 
mm-hmm. stacked, usually dumped with shrimp ramen on top, which is amazing. Which is totally, which is. But this is very interesting and, and, it's so and fresh. not at all what I expected. Mm-hmm. So fresh, so and light. you're right, you don't get nearly as much of the acidity mm-hmm. that you think of from eating a raw green tomato. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the caviar is like perfect with it. I think yeah. that yeah. like, especially when you have such a brief mm-hmm. tasting menu as ours, it gives you this opportunity to like showcase the things that you're very intimately mm-hmm. used to working with and the things that you really, really care about. And so for me, this dish is a lot to do with like giving ourselves luxury, which is, you know, showcased through um, purveying this great caviar, but also like through the intimacy of working with an ingredient like green tomatoes that speaks to our story mm-hmm. and our meeting and our running restaurants in the South together. Um, that's so important to us. Y'all are so cute. Just <laughs> we just coming off Valentine's Day. Yeah. This is really good. Um, Alex is like, you can gonna keep that, that yeah, squeeze yeah. <laughs> Um Cool. Let's do a little lightning. We like to ask the same questions mm-hmm. um, to our guests. My questions in front of I know, but normally it's most ordered dish on the menu is where we start. But that Ooh, this is one. This one. <laughs> so far, well, this, well, so so far is this one. But. But you're going to do the menu differently. So you're thinking, so I know we talked a little bit before that you're hired, you're in the process of hiring. Mm-hmm. So we'll tell us average number of courses that will be on the menu. Totally. So it'll be kind of like, I like to say five to six courses um, because a lot of our concept is driven by our shared past of going to potlucks and having dinner parties mm-hmm. and picnics and stuff. The pleasure of eating that kind of food is that like, there are moments where things come together. Mm-hmm. There's almost like a, I don't know, a blurring of lines between courses. And so it'll be hard to say, like, this is exactly six courses. It might feel like a little bit more, um, but we're rooting ourselves in like a classic five to six course structure. Mm-hmm. You've talked about a little bit about Southern cooking. I know you worked at Contra. Yeah. Um, if you had to, like, quantify this as a regional type of cuisine is there anything that you could would come up with is it french is it is there an influence i would say that it's it's going to be heavily rooted in southern cuisine mostly because it's the ingredients that we know and love and they're the things that i most intimately uh you know the things i've most intimately worked with in my career i want to bring that up here uh, but we're really pushing to have dishes that we've never done in the past. Right. So it's a very, very, very loose interpretation of Southern. Well, yeah, this is, you might say this is Southern, but I don't think most Southern people. No, no, no yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my grandma used to make this. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then what about for wines? Is there a specific, are you specific region? Or are you thinking globally? It, it's definitely going to be on the more global side. Um, I feel like a, a bit of a frustration of, of the sort of, wine world almost wanting wineless to be pigeonholed into like either you're you know in the natural wine sort of Mm -hmm. camp Mm -hmm. or you're in the more classic style and there's so much wine that falls between that um like I think that if I were to blind taste this um you know I I might not say that it was Austrian but I would definitely be like this tastes like a pretty classic style gruner Mm um however you know it is definitely natural wine um so you know, it's also fun to sort of queer the idea of like what a pairing is. Wine's not always the answer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a beer is the best thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes vermouth is. Sometimes it's 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 a Madeira. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that there's there's so much more other than just wine that is great with food. And will there be alcohol on the or is it beer and wine only? So now? beer and wine only. Yep. Um, you know, we That's are great. in the East Village amongst 
so many of the world's best cocktail the best bars. Cocktail bars. Yeah. And our back bar is very small. Not a whole lot of room <laughs> yep. for a full bar back there. Right. Yeah. You guys are hopefully two months out from opening. Yeah. What was your biggest to date oh shit moment in <laughs> God, construction and probably <laughs> I would say our biggest oh shit moment was our first budget meeting with our general contractor <laughs> that's when we it's, tomorrow's the second oh shit yes, moment yeah, yeah. yeah that's when we sat down and really looked at the hard numbers we got like a line a very long uh, line item of of costs and subcontractors and we were like oh so we're like really doing this now like yeah. how different bro- was your projections Versus the GCs. Uh, it's COVID, you know. I mean, it's two COVID. times, three times, 50 grand. We're working with some really lovely contractors that are yeah. super talented and definitely have our best interest in mind. They have been so flexible with us and they work their butts off to make it. We hope they're watching our listeners. Yes, yes, definitely. We're really buttering um, them up. They're, they're fantastic, <laughs> but the reality with COVID is that, like, there are just certain things that you can't get around. And one of them yeah. is that restaurant opening budgets are double what they used wow. to be um so even for a small restaurant it's it's been a process of going back to the well and trying to figure out um more fundraising to get this done and ways to negotiate with subcontractors and mitigating the supply chain issues yeah if i ever hear the word supply chain again <laughs> in my life yeah, yeah, going to stream. <laughs> i know Truly. And there's so many like strange sort of unintended consequences of uh, the ways in which restaurants have adapt- how, like, had to adapt. For example, the price of lumber has skyrocketed right. because folks all tried to build outdoor dining. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Shops. And there's labor right. shortages yeah. with right. lumber harvesting mm-hmm. as well. So it's like right. on both sides. There's such a crazy demand like, for it. Yeah, right. Cause and effect of streetery. Are there things right. that you guys are able to do DIY style to save on budget? Is that not your forte? Is it not? Not on not on much. There's also some legalities in terms of like what we can DIY oh, right. and with New York City. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For oh, sure. Yeah. Um, OSHA. The, OSHA. I, mean, I don't want you guys to do electric factory. I mean, there will definitely be, especially in finishes, there will be plenty of moments when we can get in there. Right. We're right now in the process of like uh, electrical and plumbing, which right. is not yeah. our yeah, first yeah, specialty, yeah, yeah. and we don't want to mess it up. Um, so we haven't gotten in there significantly yet, but um, the the other side of the conversation is that like as the concept that we are and as the people that we are, we're going to be hyper scrutinized, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know for for both good reasons and bad reasons. And so we're really really trying to make sure that we do everything above board, get all the permits, mm-hmm. you know, do all the work legally and go through the systems so that like. There's we don't have to deal with shutting down or stopping mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. construction um, prematurely because mm-hmm. our main concern is being a business where um, we can provide employment to people uninterruptedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we want to make good decisions from the and beginning. Sustainable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. If mm-hmm. we're closing down because we didn't get this or that permit, um, that's just going to be a disruption in sure. the the lived quality of life for our employees which is mm-hmm. something we think about and the permitting process has been okay so far has that been disrupted because of COVID? hasn't been terrible honestly yeah. Yeah. we've gotten really lucky knock on wood having an expediter is an absolute yeah. must crucial yeah. yep for sure 
And what about in liquor license? You already have the beer. Were you able to be grandfathered into the previous beer? And no. Wine so, so the way that that actually legally works is you have to purchase the LLC of the previous tenant, mm. which we sometimes people yeah, like some, to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's usually wrapped up in what's called key money when right. you buy another person's right. business. But Momofuku, I don't think it's for. They yeah, don't want to sell their LLC to us. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if we can afford it either. I don't even know that they're an LLC anymore at this point, so it's it's yeah. complicated. Yeah, right. it's so and you've already secured the liquor license, or you're going it is, through the process. I just talked to the SLA yesterday, oh, and they right. said you're in the last half of waiting for it. But we got the attorney certified expedited. That's an air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, we filed that pretty early on knowing that that is oftentimes something that holds folks up. Sure. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be, That's great. It, it should, knock on wood, be there in time. We're knocking on so much wood these Yeah, days. so much wood. A lot There's of wood knocking. Very superstitious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not walking under any ladder. <laughs> yeah. And our last question that we like to ask everybody is best business resource. Best business resource. Person, mm. a book, a magazine, a okay. website. Um, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna name a person, mm -hmm. um, for us, I don't think that we would have been able to do any of this and keep it on track without our shock of the century real estate agent. Yes. Right? Yeah. No restaurant owner will ever say their real estate agent was the, yeah. to like behind the scenes superpower, yeah. but our real estate agent, her name is Marissa Simpkins. Um, she absolute yeah. like dynamo, um, real estate agent. She really advocated for us. She went to bat for us so much and believed in the project, put us in con in contact with our architect and designer, uh, Carpenter and Mason, um, who was super fantastic, as well as our general contractors. And she still checks in with us all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like- wow. we... She lets us know what our neighbors are wanting to charge for rent. Oh. She yeah, <laughs> yeah. sends us other listings. She's, she believes in you. That's she's how, really like, she's trying like to ready get... for restaurant number two. You're like, what's yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like she's, she, it's so rare to find a real estate agent with the integrity that she has. She is like, just, does not tolerate any of the BS that I feel like is so rampant. Mm -hmm. A lot of other real estate agents that we saw would just, they, they'll say anything. Yeah. Um, and she cuts she, through that with a knife, yeah. just like very no an advocate for small business owners in a she very meaningful way. Had I'm sure I got some DMs from New York City people. Oh, oh for sure, for this, sure. This is an opening scene first. <laughs> her way, we're, we will gladly send it. She, I mean, we looked at spaces for probably nine months. Wow. Uh, before we settled on the space. She and never got tired of our, like, diva-ness. Like, we need to have her on the show. Yeah. I know, yeah. You really, should talk to her. She's fantastic. She, yeah, she really is. Cool. Definitely. Exciting. I would say my planner. <laughs> my planner oh yeah, has... just getting a good planner is yeah, smart. Like, literally like, physical, yeah, yeah, my like... physical. Yeah, like I, I, I am somebody who I need to is down, is yeah. honestly a little forgetful, and I, if I don't write something <laughs> down, then then it, just having something like I'll write it down, externalize it from my brain, and like let myself move on to whatever is next. Totally. Are you it's using a, a smart plan? Is it? An no, it's like <laughs> an OG. Which like, I feel like analog, I need to, to update eventually. No, I'm with you. I'm the analog. If I were to lose that book, I it would be a disaster. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> cool. This has been awesome. I think we can say that our first 
video podcast was yeah. a success. But thank you for doing this. It was so yeah. We so had so fun. much fun. This is so, so fun. Much. And we're um, very excited to see yeah, Act come about in the next few months. We cannot. We'll be there. We will be there. Yeah. Tasting you. menu. Can't, can't wait, wait to feed y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. you just did. Yeah. <laughs> Again. I'll find you on social and online. Uh, Hags uh, underscore NYC on Instagram. Um, we haven't branched out to TikTok yet. We're still learning the dance moves. Yes. Choreographing. We've got the millennial yeah. learning curve. Yeah. Like, oh, I feel like it takes so long to make one of these videos. It's so forever. <laughs> yeah. Just a reminder for our listeners that you're also still raising on your GoFundMe. Yes. And you can search HAGS, H-A-G-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can find us at We Are Opening Soon and at Tillit NYC. And this will be posted on YouTube and on all the podcasting apps. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you all for being here. Thanks, so much. Thanks so much Thanks for having, for having us. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.